Ladies and gentlemen, the curtain has risen, and the time is nigh for the Red Opera to begin. I am joined today for this DC New Comics News Podcast, a special interview by two wonderful people that we've already gotten to meet by seeing their excellent, unique, groundbreaking book, Last Amazon. We have David Granjo. Hello, guys. And Jameson Stone. As always, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. I'm joined today by my colleague, Brad Filicky. Hello, everyone. And we get the ultimate pleasure of discussing their current masterpiece, <laughs> the Red Opera. But I'm going to take a sidestep here. Jameson, will you please tell everyone what is the Red Opera? Absolutely. So the Red Opera is a tabletop RPG campaign and setting designed for 5th edition. Most people think of 5th edition, they think of Dungeons and Dragons. However, we designed this story so it would be compatible with Pathfinder, World of Darkness, and a bunch of other tabletop role-playing genres. We really wanted to focus on this theater of the mind style gaming. So people could read this adventure even just as a standalone story and enjoy the amazing art done by David Granjo, uh, Carlos Ansario, and some of our other artists, while also being able to run it as a fully-fledged campaign, either for new characters within 5th edition or for any pre-existing characters that they may have run from a previous party or campaign setting. This way it would fit seamlessly into whatever story their GMs were running. Oh, so amazing. Oh, There's so many firsts that are a part of this, and I don't want to rush ahead. So... Brad, let me go ahead and move move to you because I know you have to have a, a an amazing question. Yeah. Um. I I'm curious what challenges presented itself when you were designing the game to be able to be used with all these different types of platforms and not just say Dungeons and Dragons, but all these other ones. Was that uh, a particular challenge? Was that hard to do? Yeah, so th th it's it's really it's it's a very tricky balance to be able to have something be available for uh, multiple platforms. And we're really lucky. So uh, Rick Hines, who's the lead writer and the game master of this particular project, he and I kind of came up um, in our kind of gaming experience when we were much younger in the same genres, uh, primarily through World of Darkness. And so that's Vampire the Masquerade, um, Wraith, Mage the Ascension, things like that. Um, and we did a lot of LARPing, and this is individually. He's from Chicagoland, I'm from New England, uh, Boston, New England area. Um, and so when we began working together on this, this project, um, one of the key things that Rick really wanted to focus on was this uh, theater of the mind style storytelling. So people can definitely run this with uh, fully, you know, fully fledged uh, hex maps and, and, and more of a grid style combat um, if they so choose. But we really want to try and have it be as system agnostic as possible. Again, it's designed for fifth edition. Uh, that's that's how all of our stats are outlaid. And so um, people who run standard D&D and fifth edition will feel right at home. Uh, but we have a lot of people who have talked about <laughs> um, converting it to Pathfinder and other game systems. Yeah, I mean, I love, that's one of the things that I've liked seeing is just how, like, it, it's not only immersive what you guys have created, but it's so easily accessible and it doesn't really seem to matter what level of gaming you're in or, or what platform you're on. 
and using, you, you can absolutely access this and add this to your ongoing campaign. That so, is yeah. cool. It, we really want so uh, the people like myself um, and you know like Rick Hines and Pat Edwards are 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 other writers on the project. You know we've been playing we've been playing these games for a long time. We've been we we grew up playing tabletop role playing games, whether it's LARPing, um, live action, or or, or or whatever online doesn't matter. And so a lot of us have favorite characters. I have even some, you know, Mage the Ascension characters that I still play with, some vampire characters I still play with. And the cool thing about the Red Opera is I can take those characters and I can run them through the Red Opera. And we have multiple endings. Uh, player agency is a really important piece of this uh, particular uh, campaign and setting. And so you can run it with different alignments and different characters, different backgrounds, and have different endings. Um, let's say, for example, so this is a warlock-ruled city, the Shadelands. And let's say you play a, a paladin or a cleric. Some of these people hate warlocks and think they're evil and like want to kill all warlocks, like death to the warlocks. And <clears throat> one of the options for this, and this isn't a huge spoiler, um, one of the options as like our final ending of the Shadelands is to destroy it, to burn it to the ground, to raise the whole thing and make it cinder and ash. And if you're playing a cleric, that actually would be a viable outcome for your character to want to do and, and destroy these, you know, in their eyes, these evil beings that are corrupting and stealing the souls of humans. Um, and we've incorporated that into the story arc. Um, and we're like really proud of that, that honestly. I mean, that's really cool. So why don't why don't each of you tell us a little bit, just real quick, and I apologize, but why don't you tell us what you guys have done as a part of of the Red Opera? Like what were what were your contributions? Totally. David, jump in. T tell tell us about the art of the Red Opera. Sure, sure thing. Um, so it, it, it was kind of funny uh, when Jameson introduced me to to this project, this new project, um, because we, we in previous projects, we come from a really um, art book and graphic novel background. Um, and actually, for me, like it kind of sounds weird, but I, I never I had never heard about um, Dungeons and Dragons, of course, but these type of games, RPGs, um, I was I never heard about it. Um, so it was really interesting when, um, well, first, like when Jameson told me, oh, we are going to do an RPG, I was like, what? What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> what? And now it's like today, it's like, dude, that that was the best decision ever to do this kind of project because it's so fascinating, like. While uh, we were making uh, research to how we can bring our art style into this this world, we, it, it really came about with, with doing some proper re research and, and especially like going to bookstores and, and buy this kind of, of RPGs. Uh, and then I, I, I bought a couple of books and watching how how the art is poured in in these books it's really interesting because it's a completely different dynamic uh from a standard uh, graphic novel because the, the the image the purpose of the image in these books it's for the gm to be able to describe uh the world to the to the players and it, it's so important having a, a really good narrator in these type of games um i think i didn't play yet because i didn't found someone that could renate, uh, narrate a, a campaign really well. <laughs> um, but 
I'm super excited to try these these games. But to come back to the art, um, many of the inspirations come came from video games actually uh, the AAA video games uh, especially their art books and everything that is around the their marketing materials for instance uh, Blizzard with Diablo with World of Warcraft uh, I got a couple of books about them and see how they, they design things because the Red Operates kind of set in that visually in that world so it was really interesting uh, going through their art books and be like, okay, how can we apply this style into the, 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 the into the, the the red opera? And the process was really a discovery. We start to um, the, the 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 well the the process the technical process let's say was using 3D assets and using uh, a software called Blender. So it was kind of funny using 3D assets and putting them in this 3D software. And it, we, we were kind of like, like, like playing on a sandbox, like when we were little kids with our action figures, you know? Um, so it was pretty interesting doing that. Yeah, it was it was it was it was a, a lot of fun for us to be able to try different things and and to try mm -hmm. and create a campaign setting that uh, visually that had never been done before. And I, I don't want to speak ill of Wizards of the Coast. Um, we just wanted to try something a little bit different, and no one had ever blended um, 3D assets before for um, again for a graphic novel like we had done previously with photorealism in the last Amazon or certainly not with a um, RPG or TRPG campaign book. Um, and I, I think that I think we pulled it off. Um, and ultimately, though, people who read it and enjoy it, they'll, they'll let us know if they like it or not. But I think people yeah. enjoy it so far. I think also the goal was really to leverage the, the, the AAA quality we see now in movies and in games and really bringing to this to this medium. Uh, it was really interesting. Yeah. All right, I, I got my big question because I really wanted to know where you guys each fit in and, and that, that answered that for me. And I know Brad had a really good question, so I'm going to let him go. I, I'm curious. Music seems to be a huge part of uh, the Red Opera, and it's kind of a multifaceted question. But what, um, what were some of your soundtracks that you would listen to if you do play you know, RPG? And how did you hook up with some of these collaborators that you have for this uh, for this project? You totally. Talk, just talk a little bit about the music. Absolutely. Involved. No, no, that's a that's a that's a that's an awesome awesome question. So for me as a writer, um, I, I my main passion, I think, just kind of in life, and it may be a bit of escapism, but is video games. I just love video games. Um, I almost, I just love everything about them, um, particularly their soundtracks. And so for me, when I write. I usually will be either um, listening to some like low level like EDM or trance with no lyrics um, or some video game soundtrack. Anything from like Suikoden, um, which is, you know, uh, old school RPG, uh, JRPG Suikoden 2. There's actually a new like basically like Suikoden 6 that just came out on Kickstarter. They're calling it something different. Um, I'm very excited about. Um, but even like Final Fantasy soundtracks. Um, one of the great things about video game soundtracks is 
it really is very emotive because they'll have themes specific to certain interactions between characters. And so you can really get a lot of emotion from those tracks. Um, that's yeah. what I like to listen to personally. I, I know David is, is pretty similar in that regard. Um, one of the things um, for us when, and, and I, I do that also when I when I GM. So when I run a campaign, I'll usually pull, um, you know, and I'll, I'll branch out to movie scores as well. Um, but eventually, like you can only listen to the glad, you know, Gladiator soundtrack so many times until you're like, all right, like this is a little, <laughs> you know, this is a little much. Um, so um, how this book actually came about, and um, Brad, this is kind of a, 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 a slightly longer way of answering how we got hooked up with this band, Diamorte, these amazing, uh, talented musicians that then are recorded with the uh, Budapest uh, Scoring Symphony for our soundtrack. Um, uh, uh, Drake Mephesta, who is the frontman and uh, lighter, uh, writer and, and lead of Diamorte, uh, was was hanging out with Rick Hines, our lead writer for this project, and actually saw a copy of The Last Amazon at Rick's house and said, wow, wouldn't it be cool if we could have a production value this high for you know one of our books? And Rick goes, well, I actually know and work with those guys. Um, like we can, you know, we can ask them, we can maybe figure something like that out. And so they, you know, they talked it over and and and, and we all got on the phone and talked about it um, a lot for a couple of years actually. And then finally worked out all the details. Um, and one of the ideas that I had um, was, I was like, guys, we can actually create based off of the Red Opera album, um, a fully fledged soundtrack and embed it into the book itself in QR codes. And so Rick Hines, the lead writer, actually took the the lore from the Red Opera album, album rock album. This is like a heavy metal rock album. Um, if people like that, I highly encourage you to go check it out. Um, and took took that lore and rewrote it as a campaign setting and then drake mefesta of diamorte rescored that album for classical music um I, I i like heavy metal it's fun um it's not you know my favorite um especially for gaming um i, I like it to be a little bit more um like epic and less like uh, like aggressive and so having it having our score be fully um or orchestrated from an actual professional orchestra brings that movie quality to it while it still has all of that pogant power that you find in a heavy metal um you know rock album and so we actually have samples on our website of what that score sounds like and so you can go check it out at theredopera.com um, but we had an actual like professional movie score orchestra do this soundtrack um, and we're including it in the actual book as QR codes. And there's down, you know, digital downloads too. But each act of our 10-act series has a corresponding song. And so, and, and that song is written in conjunction with the act. So some of them are a little bit more low tempo. Some of them are a little, you know, more horror scary. Others are huge battle scenes. And those musics, just like a movie, cor you know, correlates to what you're then going to be playing in the actual game itself. Cool. That's 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 amazing. That's I, I love it when different mediums can combine like that in really interesting ways. So that's that was, that's a, a very uh, very cool thing that jumped out at me when I was first looking into uh, to the Red Opera. Uh, Kendra, I'm sure you have some more questions. <laughs> you would be correct. Um, I I just I mean from both me and Brad though I mean actually from everyone even Seth. Um, and, and the entirety of us, we were so excited to see you guys hit not only gold, but you guys did it in 40 minutes. 
40 minutes was all I know I know we were so we were we were so it was just it was very overwhelming for us for yeah. small, such a small team we're just like <laughs> please internet like our stuff and apparently they do I guess I don't know well the internet responded in droves you guys um for those of you who don't know Red Opera currently has a Kickstarter that is going that we will obviously link with the show but <clears throat> Not only do they have one going, 19 days left, base goal of 10,000. And as of this morning, you guys hit 82,000. My gosh. What are your guys' reactions? I think my reaction was, well, I obviously was really surprised, re really surprised, especially when, when at the, the first hour. Um, I remember we were like before pushing the button like to launching the Kickstarter we like the the half hour before um, everyone was in discord on the chat and we were just like <laughs> freaking out <laughs> should I push it should I, I don't push it um, and 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 it was it, it, when we, we push it I kind of like had to step out and do something else and 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 like I, I think I, I was maybe out for 10 minutes uh, and then when I came back I was like oh my god <laughs> this is rolling <laughs> and and it, 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 you know when you have that feeling that you don't know how to react because um, because not, not, not we, we, we had a certain expectation right but not seeing numbers like rolling so fast like like a slot machine you know and 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 it, it, it was really really impressed in, in um, mesmerizing like looking at the page and I think I just like until we hit the goal um, I think I was just looking at the page like the numbers going and then I had my wife like in 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 in, in the next room like being, so how's it going and I'm like ah like it's going I, I really well I guess <laughs> it's going really well um, and I think I think the 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 moment I realized it more it was when I, I, I took a screenshot of us hitting the goal and sent it to my parents and my my in-laws and and everyone in family was like oh my god that's so amazing <laughs> I, I think the, ex the experience was of that day was amazing and um, and then we were like well now we have to do stretch goals let's let's do them and and then like more work um, rolled in of, of course and and gladly to, so to do it to do it I'm always happy like opening Photoshop and 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 updating the file to um, stretch goal unlocked i always like to enable that layer <laughs> and then save it and then here he and update it to on the kickstarter page uh it's it's there's a such a satisfying moment uh because it's like okay we 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 were able to to make another step on on this ladder uh and another totally. made um so it's so satisfying doing that because we we see the progress that we are making, and and the artwork that is being like paid off actually, and that's 
yeah, that, that's really, really, uh, a, a really, like a, a really great feeling of gratitude. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And and I think one of the reasons that people have have hopefully, you know, uh, you know, so, you know, been so motivated to support us is we set our goal very low saying, hey, this is this is the book that we've created. It's 200 pages. So still very solid, you know, campaign and setting. But we'd like to make it better. And so we've had so far each one of our stretch goals be adding actual work to the book itself. And so currently uh, the books uh, on Kickstarter, the, the the base copy, the standard edition is $50. Now we've added so many stretch goals and according to our kind of timeline, I think we'll hit all of our all of our core stretch goals um, that the book actually will have to raise in price to sixty dollars just for printing costs of actually just printing the book because of how many extra pages we're going to be adding. And so people are actually getting a really great discount now if they go onto Kickstarter and buy the book at this at this fifty dollar price point um, and they get the PDF for free, which is going to include our making of. And so a lot of the stuff that um, David Granjo and, and Carlos are working on behind the scenes, along with their other writers, Rick and Pat, um, are going to be included into that. Um, so yeah, we're super, super proud of of the just the well source, you know, the, the wellspring of support that people within the the, the you know tabletop role playing industry has has given us. I we can't give our congratulations enough. Like I said, I jumped out of my chair. I was like, are you kidding me? And then getting to look at it this morning, I was floored. Yeah. We are too. It's 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 very humbling, and and now now that we have this kind of like semi platform, we 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 have to really produce you know you know grade A quality for people. Um, but you know we have a uh, you know free free download of 33 sample pages of the actual <laughs> book itself, so people know exactly what they're going to get. Um, and and we don't compromise on on the quality that that we put out. Um, and it, that had been in our own detriment just because it was so much work. But I think now finally that work is starting to pay off. Absolutely, uh, Brad, you're next. Well, congratulations on that that Kickstarter that is just incredible and uh, I, I look forward to see how you expand on on what you already have and when you originally set the kickstarter and you were, you were talking about these stretch goals and and how you were able to add more stuff did you have that stuff that you were adding kind of planned and say oh well, if we make this we can add this or did that kind of come up after you started hitting these goals and i know you just found out this morning but i'm just curious uh, how how far ahead that you thought on the project as far as making these stretch goals? Totally. No, no, I, I yeah. So it's a, it's a great question. So we actually had all of this stuff planned out in advance. And this is the book that we had wanted to do. We just didn't have the resources to actually make it. Um, and we certainly didn't have the resources to print it. Um, printing, at least with the, the, the uh, quality, because uh, we're not just printing this as though it were like a tabletop uh, role-playing book. Um, we're actually printing it as though it were, were an art book. Uh, so we have much thicker paper, much more high-quality ink, much more high-quality um, cover. Uh, there's you know foil inlay on the cover in two different tones. People don't make RPG books like this. It just isn't a thing. It's very cost prohibitive. Um, and the reason that we're going above and beyond is because we have an amazing, you know, lead artist. David Granjo is just, he's just incredible. Um, and so Thank we really want to, yeah, well, it's the truth, dude. Um, 
And, you know, we really wanted to highlight that with the, with art book quality materials like you'd find in a making of book for, you know, like a Disney movie, like, you know, uh, Lord of the Rings or, um, you know, Star Wars, something like that. Um, so we, we had planned out this is we basically here's our core core story, 10 acts that's done some, you know, some ancillary information, um, you know, setting for the city um, and having that part completed. But what we really wanted to do was create this um, definitive guide for warlocks for both players and GMs. And that was our ultimate goal, but we didn't have the resources to do that. And that's why crowdfunding is so amazing. We were able to say, okay, this is where we're at now. And this is what we, what, what, what we can provide to you. Um, it's already done actually. Here's a sample of it, and we can print it for ten thousand um, dollars. We don't make any money. In fact, we would, you know, lose a little bit of money. But you know, the book is out there, and um, you know, people would be able to enjoy it. Or if people really do like this, this is all the things that we haven't have planned. So we have three subclasses. We have a bunch of side quests. I think we've added almost like. 80 to 90,000 words of text. Um, it's basically like a whole nother book um, and uh, uh, just an, an ungodly amount of you know additional images, full page images, sketches, um, sidebar images, um, so much different stuff, um, adding a bunch of new you know magical weapons, uh, different locations within our city, um, uh, and, and also uh, surrounding areas as it relates to uh, the city. So not even directly inside the city itself, uh, a new intro quest uh, that, that ties into a sub a subclass for warlocks an outro quest that's actually one of the ones that i'm writing and it's not been done yet uh, because all of these things hadn't yet been completed and so you know the only downside to this is it will push out the release date of the book by several months um but you know we're working on this stuff full time and so we're going to be able to get this um you know done we believe finished product, you know, the book will be in people's hands, hopefully by the very beginning of next summer, maybe, maybe the end of next spring. Um, but we're hoping second quarter of 2021 for, for a completed date. Even though that's really soon, it still seems like so far away for people to get I their know. hands on this. It's so, uh, it's such an amazing you know piece of work, but um, it, it's definitely going to be worth waiting that little extra bit to get your hands on it. Totally. Especially after seeing what we've done with the last Amazon, people go buy the book. You will see what we mean. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie to you guys. I have not been able to stop singing that book's praises. I feel like I'm this little bug that keeps getting into people's ears and buzzing annoyingly, but <laughs> it's because it really is. It's something that we haven't seen before. So not only are you guys changing the game up in the comic world, which, I mean, I, I really can't even call it a comic. It is, but it's not. But, I mean, also, you guys are doing that over here for tabletop gaming as well. I mean, you, you brought up the different variations of the book, and David absolutely take full props. Those things are so sickening. The artwork on that cover is awesome. It is eye-catching. It is wicked. Where did you guys come up with the idea to do the leather-bound ne Necronomicon version? Oh yeah, yeah, that's fun. So, so that that so, I I originally I met Rick Hines, the lead writer for this project, when 
his first book, Seventh Age Dawn, for people who love urban fantasy, uh, 100% check it out. Again, that's Seventh Age Dawn by Rick Hines. Um, his book, that book, was published um, by a publishing house that also published my first novel, Rune of the Apprentice, which is high fantasy. So if you like high fantasy, check out Rune of the Apprentice. Um, and we were joking around of, man, I hope someday we become successful enough as authors to warrant a leather-bound version of our book, even just for fun. Um, and we were like, man, like who could, who would even make such a thing? And this is, you know, five, five plus years ago, um, probably more, maybe six. And, um, we were just kind of, you know, joking around. Um, and you know, I, as I started to become, you know, more well-known, um, within the community, um, started making more, you know, business, uh, connections with, uh, you know, in the publishing world, um, where we are now, um, I, I was able to, uh, make contact with an amazing leather worker at a Ren Fair, actually, here in Colorado. Um, and um, her name is Melissa, and she just is an, an amazing leather worker. And yeah, um, yeah she's just so yeah. cool. Um, and so she's actually done the mock-up we have on on our, our Kickstarter page. Um, that's a real mock-up of the book, of the cover of what it'll look like that David Granjo then took the cover um, and then you know superimposed it onto a book in Photoshop. But the actual image is her prototype for for the Red Opera leather uh, leather bound version, the Necronomicon, as we're kind of you know jokingly referring it to uh, referring to it, um, and um, it just is kind of like like the ultimate GM book. You know what I mean? Like if you're a dungeon master, and I'm talking about like the ultimate dungeon master, and you would take out a leather bound version of the red opera there's nothing like you light a few candles man and you're good to go you know and there's a soundtrack like you know a fully you know fully music score quality soundtrack I, what else could you ask for maybe some coffee we there and we we're, we have that too we actually have fully branded dorian coda's coffee so you can make some coffee um it that is like a very 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 robust dark roast of course it has to be for a you know heavy metal <laughs> warlock campaign um you know give them cus custom dark roast coffee with a leather bound book and um light some of your own candles and you're good to go Everything is covered with the red opera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the only thing I'm missing is a cloak. Heck yeah. Yeah, or, or yeah, heck yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so cool. You guys have coffee? We do have coffee, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. And, and our coffees our coffees is, in my opinion, I'm, I am so proud of it, too. Um, so there's... The coffee industry right now, actually, because of COVID, is really, really struggling. Um, there's a, a bunch of different um, uh, kind of like people who have written really interesting articles about this, actually, uh, talking about how <laughs> we're potentially going to actually kind of lose a lot of our, our, our coffee um, outsourcing. Um, but we actually partnered up with Initiative Coffee. And so they are, this isn't just like some like random, random group. These Initiative Coffee actually is a fully fledged gaming, um, uh, gaming group that goes to various conventions. Um, and Rick Hines, or uh, Rick Hines, our lead writer is actually uh, good friends with the uh, the founder of that organization. They met at, at I think, um, maybe, um, I don't remember what convention in Chicago, but um, one of the local um, gaming conventions there. And they're famous for just providing coffee at cons. Um, it's pretty awesome. And so when I was um, going back and forth with Initiative Coffee, of kind of like, all right, we want to have coffee, but we want it to actually like mean something and not have it just be kind of a throwaway thing. He's like, okay, so there's actually a really great um, fair trade organization um, 
I'm going to butcher their name, but it's uh, Rao Ketagara Gayo, and it's an all-woman uh, cooperative uh, focused on overcoming gender inequality in Indonesia. Um, and so the money actually that goes towards buying this coffee helps a all, you know, all-woman-run co-op in Indonesia. Um, and so they have a, um, you know, a, a really, really great initiative there in our uh, it's completely family-run farm, um, and they're one of the most uh, well-respected uh, fair trade cooperatives in the the Gayo Highlands, and that's that's uh, one of these regions where coffee comes from. So. Um, yeah, we were just really cool, you know, really, really proud to be able to partner with an organization like that and hopefully do a little bit of good while we're drinking some really great dark brew. That's just awesome. <laughs> you guys got to stop stealing my heart. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, how about you? I know you've got more. Uh, I well, one of the things I noticed is that you mentioned that you you kind of want this game to be approachable from new players as well as advanced. And since I don't, I love games, but I'm not a game designer. So I'm curious if, what kind of challenges that presented to you to be able to make it accessible to everybody? Totally. Um, and so I guess I, I, I would ask like, um, so that is a perfect answer, and we we had that in in mind. But I would I, I would say like okay, like I would almost turn the question back on you, Brad, and say like, are would you be interested in reading it from a perspective of just the story, or be interested in actually like running it, like 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 being a player? Because the answer would be a little bit different. And we focused on both of those two demographics: people to just wanted to read, enjoy the art, enjoy the story, and people that wanted to play it for the first time. See now, I'm 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 a big story guy. Story cool. rules everything. So when I play games, to me, it's all about the story. Like from a video game perspective, I'd much rather have a good single player campaign and a great story than a multiplayer experience. So I would say from the story. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah we're the same <laughs> way. We're the same yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, Red Dead Redemption is a perfect example. I love I, I love Red Dead Redemption 2, um, one of my favorite games of all time. But then I went and played Red Dead Online. I was like, nope, not for me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm done. Exactly. Yeah. I'm done. Um, so again, with uh, you know, uh, with with Rick Hines being uh, the, the the lead writer, um, Patrick Edwards and myself all published um, published authors. Um, in so I I I am in more high fantasy uh, sci-fi, Rick Hines urban fantasy, Patrick Edwards more um, kind of sci-fi comedy, and uh, his book is Space Tripping. Uh, so if you enjoy um, sci-fi sci-fi comedy, almost like. Uh, uh, gosh, what is it? Um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, a little bit like that. Um, uh, check his book out. It's very good. We really wanted to have the actual campaign itself be readable just as as a, as a story and people to be able to read through and actually have a strong affinity for all the characters, for the location um, and for the actual, you know, character arcs of of the the you know, the overall, you know, meta story happening, um, you know, kind of behind the scenes and in the forefront. And so from that perspective, we then have crafted a story that has that. Now, interestingly enough, it's a little bit like a choose your own adventure. So even if you aren't running this as a player, you still in your head could be like, and, and I remember when I read, you know, when I read the first, you know, the first draft of, of the book um, that, that Rick gave to me, I was like, oh, well, I would totally do this. And, and then I got the ending that I wanted 
out of the story even without playing it and it's not as robust as a choose your own adventure because that would be impossible for a tabletop uh, role-playing book but we have multiple endings um and because of that you actually get to like have your cake and eat it too you don't have to play the story as a player but you still get to have the ending that you want and the corresponding art done by david granjo carlos and others is absolutely outstanding and it really brings that story to life as though it were a graphic novel Cool. Yeah, that's what that's what I like to hear, and I and I'm totally agree with you on the the Red Dead Redemption Two thing. And that's kind of one of my go-to when it comes to great storytelling. That in The Last of Us. So. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I I love hearing how video game storytelling kind of inspired uh, the the actual this tabletop game. So that's that's kind of fascinating, as well. So thank you for that answer. Totally. Uh, can, I, oh no, oh, you know. Let, Brad, let me let me actually speak to that because that's something that's really near and dear to David in my heart. And I'll, I'll, I'll let him speak to it a little bit too, but I'll just say my piece. So for us, ultimately, we want to make video games. That's our goal at Apotheosis Studios. Um, that when you know the inception of this organization was video games, and it still is. Now, I love, love Dungeon and Dragons, you know, Wraith the Oblivion, all of it. Um, and for a small indie studio, you have to you have to take manageable steps first. You have you can't bite off more than you can chew. And eventually, for us, we you know we are currently working on a video game called Shadow of the Moon, and we we similarly want to innovate that medium and genre in a unique way, much like we did with um, the last Amazon and like we're doing now with the Red Opera. Um, but to, to really pull that off, we know that we need to take more time and even get more experience under our belt. Yes. But when 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 we look at games like the Red Opera, um, or excuse me, excuse me, uh, like Red Dead Redemption, um, and um, you know other similar you know epic epic stories, whether it's with Witcher two, Witcher three, things like that, that's where we would like to be headed in the long term, and that's what we draw inspiration on. Um, I don't know, David. Sorry, that was a long answer, but um, share your thoughts too, man. Sorry. <laughs> no, to- totally agree. And, and and one of the things that that really um, I mean, as an artist and, 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 and like kind of art directing the, 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 the Red Opera, it was actually really interesting, for instance, taking the, the, the case of The Last of Us uh, Part Two. Um, when the game was released, um, their art director, John Sweeney, is a really great artist, and he actually shared like how they, how they created some some uh, some of the steps of the game especially uh working on like taking reference from the real world and adapting it to the to to the game and 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 that was a, a huge inspiration like a huge slap of inspiration um not only the game and and and, and that game is gorgeous it's it's amazing um and and i think Talking a bit about the, the the inspiration, I think playing these type of those type of games really inspired you, especially if 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 you are trying to work towards the creation of something artistic, being the writing or the art or the music, whatever it is, um, and and that I think it was God of War, God of War also that really brought a lot of of 
of inspiration to create this the book and also the future projects that we have for instance shadow of the moon all once i i i i finished uh, the last of us 2 i wanted so badly to play to 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 go and and go to and and start working on shadow of the moon because the the not in terms of story but the 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 mood and the visuals are are from the last of us are really inspired to us and i think i, I don't think you i think you remember james and i was sharing like the the the, the art of the last of us i was like screen like taking screenshots of the game <laughs> like totally. oh look look at this look at this it's so cool like and um and also what one of the things that i really like about these narrative games it's also seeing the the going deep into the the, the team that created them to to understand their mindset like how did they make this so amazing like why this why this game is so amazing like the the and and i think we are truly blessed at this time uh with the internet having these artists uh sharing their knowledge we there's the art director at santa monica uh Ralph grassetti uh that made god of war uh he has a youtube channel and he makes podcasts about like and he tells things about like the, the the process of doing that game. Um, and even yesterday, there's a uh, a um, what's it called a kind of a conference going on, uh, um, which is which is called Lightbox, and it's 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 a online like classes, master classes. And actually, yesterday there was a freelance team that works for Naughty Dog. And they were talking about the process, and I, and I stayed up until 1 a.m. because <laughs> I'm in France. But learning from these professionals, it's even just them talking about the process, so inspiring, so inspiring. I like I stayed up I think until 3 a.m. just thinking about that. Like, oh God, we have to do this. We have to do this. Um, and we actually yeah. bring that learning. So, so David David will go out and he, you know, he'll 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 you know listen to these interviews. He'll take these master classes, and then we, as a you know, and and these are mostly like Gen X folks who've been in the industry for a while. And we, as millennials and Gen Z, will literally leverage real time. Like he's talking about an interview that he listened to last night. He then posted in our in our Discord chat. That's how we we do interviews communication because we're a fully remote studio with people all over the world uh, this is this is how we can learn from these industry luminaries and then in our call on Monday which will be our all hands meeting we're going to implement new strategies based off of these naughty dog strategies that they use to make these games and no other time in the history of any form of art development has that been possible that we a fully remote studio can learn real time from another fully remote studio halfway across the world in santa monica and yeah. then implement that information into our game right now it's it's absolutely incredible It's absolutely fascinating what technology can do and the fact that you guys are able to take away from from like you said from Naughty Dog and implement it into your own it, it it's just it's absolutely amazing the things that we have nowadays that we we didn't have in in the advent. So the I internet mean it is amazing. It it's is. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean I think my my question 
because I, I mean, I, I went through the Kickstarter and, and watched the video and all of the quotable moments were what captured me because who, who's doing the narration for you? Oh video? yeah. There's, there's some great ones. Da- yeah. David and I have been joking about those for the past three months. Um, so, the, so it was a toss up for us of who should narrate it. Um, uh, it's narrated by Rick Hines, the the lead writer, um, and um, it was either going to be he or or myself, or we were potentially going to hire someone. Um, I we I was like, you know, we can do it ourselves. We had to do a lot of takes, and Rick nailed it. Um, and it's funny. Um, I I is <laughs> I think I was joking before the. Uh, before we started recording of how when you're a small team, you have to wear multiple hats. Um, I actually was the audio engineer for that and went went through and edited everything and like removed all the pops and the clicks and, um, you know, weaved together all the different takes. Um, but yeah, there are some some amazing quotable moments from that 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 uh, Kickstarter video. We had a lot of fun and Rick did a really so, great job. Sometimes I speak to my cats and look at him like, so other than your soul, what do you have to lose? <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of fun with that. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie. I looked at my dog this morning and I was like, the only way to hear our secrets is to hear our soul. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Rick, Rick and I co-wrote that together. Um, it was a lot of fun uh, of putting in like as many like kind of like almost cliche lines that we could, but like delivering them so seriously that like you had to take them serious. Um, and it, it, it's a serious thing. Like this is a D&D warlock campaign. So it's like totally makes sense, but still to have fun with it. Because like at the end of the day, like it's a game, you know, like we're not having fun making it you're not going to have fun when you play it. You know what I mean? So it's like, we got to, it's, if we're not, if, if we're not enjoying ourselves, our end user and, and our fans, they're not going to enjoy it either. So we try to always keep things light and fun. Exactly. Especially fantasy. It's a team that is taking really, it's, it takes itself so seriously. Um, so I think uh, doing those like quotes, it's, it's so, so, <laughs> it's so, it, it, it was really interesting, especially doing the trailer and, and, and listening it multiple times. Oh, hundreds. Uh, We've listened to it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, hundreds, and hundreds of times. And, and, and it, it was always like, I, it's the trailer that I never got like tired of listening. <laughs> Man, you you did a really great job on that editing, actually, man. <laughs> with, with it ain't easy. Shout out to the audio engineers, particularly <laughs> the one who's going to be working on on this 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 recording that we're currently doing. It's hard work, and we appreciate. We salute you, audio engineers of the world. Thank you. <laughs> that was a great salute, Brad. It is your question. Um, I I was gonna kind of ask you what's next, but you you kind of already talked about that with uh you know talking about the video game idea but is there any other projects that you guys have on on the horizon that you'd like to talk about oh yeah absolutely um so it's really interesting so when 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 you have a multifaceted team that that wants to accomplish different goals you actually can work on multiple things simultaneously so uh we have actually a, a our, our our own sound um engineer uh, whose name is taylor 
Taylor Borgen. He's doing a fabulous job. He's actually already created many songs for The Shadow of the Moon video game and graphic novel. We'll, we'll be having the music embedded into that graphic novel as well. Um, and so we, we kind of are pushing multiple boulders up the hill. When this project is done, we're going to take a little bit of a break couple months and spend some time on Shadow of the Moon. Um, but after that, Rick Hines actually has another uh, fifth edition book, uh, which will be ready to go uh, very, very soon, actually, which we're incredibly excited about. And um, he and I have been talking about producing that book again for years. And it now looks like we'll actually have the resources based off of this this Kickstarter campaign to do that next one and then hopefully be able to have each each subsequent Kickstarter kind of fuel the next one. Um, and, and hopefully then we'll all be able to feed our families. We'll see how that goes. Um, but our next project is called The Storyteller's Forge. And that is so it's really interesting. So so David Granjo uh, kind of said earlier or earlier in our talk today about, you know, if I had only had a really good game master, I would have loved to play this, you know, when I was younger, but I couldn't find a good narrator. And that's that's a really, really common thing that we hear. Be like, oh, I totally would have played this if I had just known someone that could have run it. And it's not that they like they, they had other geeky friends, just nobody was a GM. Yeah. And so the Storytellers Forge is literally that, a forge to create storytellers, uh, not a literal forge with fire. That sounds very painful, um, but a figurative, um, you know, a, a kind of epic uh, shaping of a storyteller um, to, to be able to bring them into a way in which they then can actually create um, the, the, the actual um, games themselves. And so we're going to be taking that idea and then moving forward from the from the perspective where they then can actually go forward and become that fully fledged GM and game master. And um, we're incredibly excited about that. We're then going to continue um, going and creating um, additional uh, fifth edition content while we move forward with our other projects. It takes years to make a video game. And while we do that, we're going to be able to engage with fans and followers in a way that allows us to continue making contact um, content um, while we're doing other projects. Cool. Thank you. I can't wait to see what you guys come out with next. And I'm already super excited for this video game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be definitely scouring the Internet for more news on that. Uh, Kendra, I'm sure you had some more questions. I always do. If ever in doubt, I have questions and I need answers. And the answer is not 42 in this case. <laughs> so... In the Red Opera, the world is so, <laughs> it is very large. Um, tell me a little bit more about the Shadelands and the characters. One in particular has caught my eye, and I know it's because of the PR. <laughs> but Majin, is, that, is yes. that correct? Yes, Majin the Betrayer. Yes, tell me. Yeah, so Majin's a super interesting character. So um, it's so funny, you know, we've, we've been having fun and geeking out kind of like behind the scenes, of like how we created it and, and are thinking about it. We haven't really actually talked about the actual Red Opera story that much, which I'm totally fine with. It's we've been, you know, really having fun just talking about kind of more, more, uh, you know, like the insider baseball behind the scenes stuff. Um, so, yeah, let's dive in a little bit um, with uh, the remaining time we have. So Majin the Betrayer is this very interesting character that uh, was birthed out of um, Rick Hines' imagination of what would happen if you took a kind of non-personified 
um, like Elrich energy of this, the well of souls. And this is this kind of this um, area in which the veil between um, realms and planes is thin. And that's kind of the, the premise of the Shadelands. And so any any person, you don't have to just be a warlock, is able to actually make a pact with a patron. And that energy is personified in a singular entity known as Majin. And uh, Majin, obviously in his name, has betrayer. Um, but but the notion of, of whom he's betraying, what he's betraying, and things like that are not, it, it's, it's not as cut and dry as, as, as you would necessarily think. So when we take this idea of you take a, a non-corporeal entity and then you personify them into physical form, what would happen? Well, for Majin, he's never eaten food before. So the actual concept of these human things, like eating food, um, you know, defecating, um, sex, things like that, he has no basis in which to actually interact with those 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 things. Even um, he's come in as a tiefling, um, as a male tiefling, uh, he can pick any form he wants. Um, he's an incredibly powerful being, um, and he's just kind of playing around. And for him. The, the world and the, 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 the machinations of this kind of human realm is basically like a playground. Um, it very much is like a stage for him to orchestrate this grand opera. And for him, he's then able to kind of flirt around and dance around, um, you know, kings and deities and gods um, to achieve his goals. And I, I don't want to say exactly what that is uh, you have to you really play play through the campaign and, and, and read through it to, to see how the story progresses um, but to take this character that was at one point not quite a god but but close and then put put that 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 thing into physical form as a male tiefling you know blue skin and horns and everything um, and then let him loose into a warlock ruled city um, is pretty exciting okay that is like further drives my my interest and my my interest is already peaked but because his his character is so striking david was this one of yours um yes art yes. wise yes yes it was really fun to <laughs> to <Brava. meet> him. <laughs> i mean he's gorgeous thank you thank you so much David, take 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 a moment and, and and maybe just like really quick. So so Rick provided kind of a write up of what this character looks like, but then obviously in in the book there it's 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 a fully fledged like three D model that then David paints over and like maybe maybe talk a little bit about that process. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah for sure. I remember the first version was he was a really old because I took a really old model. Uh, as a face and then you guys you, you were like oh no he's a seducer <laughs> I was like oh okay <laughs> let's let's change his face for something more more attractive <laughs> um, but the process was we use these uh, 3d assets uh, specifically for characters um, for environments we use other types of assets but for characters you, you we, we use uh, Des Studio um, characters. So this software allows us to just drop assets like characters, creatures, uh, cloth, um, and and it's going to their website. It's really like going to a store, like buying cloth, buying creatures, buying 
kind of weird saying this, but buying buying models, <laughs> uh, like buying people as models, and 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 then in that we can mix everything everything together. So I think his process was was from Rick's description uh, and being a tiefling, and then. It, it it was going to Pinterest or or our whole friend Google uh, and see how a tiefling looks like, but the margin was from his because reading through his story, he's a really from what I interpret of him, it's like the betrayer. I mean, like what's his his agenda, right? In the other characters. They have some um, light to them. Um, uh, even the even the accursed king, the the way he's drawn um, and he's made, it's is it, like the posture of a king. There's something powerful in him. Uh, Eagle, yeah. And and fate too. She's like this this fight this 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 fighter vibe. And in the illustrations, especially the character ones, we want we really wanted to push to that. But Majin was really different, was like, I remember like searching for a type of light to to make him a mystery, because even his horns are kind of hidden in the shadow. But with a couple of strokes, uh, we can see like how his horn is shaped, but really subtle. And and, and the fact that he is kind of hiding half of his face it's like who is this guy? What what's his agenda? Uh, and one of the things that Jameson says um, uh, a couple of times that I kind of caught it is like his name is the betrayer, but who is he betraying? Right? Like it's it's really giving that mystery to the character, not only to the text and the writing, but also through the through the art, so people get intrigued by him. And you nailed it. <laughs> yeah, I. I... Amazing, amazing character, model, and art. Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you, because that I love getting the insight. And you guys, like you said, you guys are definitely an open book. So I appreciate you guys being so upfront with not only the behind the scenes, but also helping immerse us and the listeners into into this world that is the Red Opera. Now I know I know we've taken up a bit of time. Do you guys mind if we do one more question? Please, no, please do. Yeah, yeah, yeah please. All right, Brad. Uh, I always like to kind of ask this, uh, and and I'll ask both of you. What was kind of your um, your initial interest, or what got you into, whether it be games, graphic novels, this entire culture? What was it that drew you to it when you were young? David, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. I'm, I'm not like I, I think like what inspired us from like childhood to make these worlds. That's the question, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I got a I got a big old answer. If you want me to go, it's up to you. It's up to you, dude. Uh, I think my interest was picked because um, in a really young age uh, I was introduced to drawing, um, and. Basically, all my education, I, I was striving for making making uh, draw, um, a, a job related to drawing for sure. Um, and I think it was it was in my college that I had a teacher, um, this 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 really great teacher that she hand me over. She she introduced me to the world of Photoshop. <laughs> 
and uh, because I was like really intrigued, like asking my parents and 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 um, and, and friends around, like how do you do these cards? For instance, in like like the the card of the Pokemon cards and like the, the art, you know, in 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 those cards. I was like, how they do this? And and seeing like game magazines uh, at the time, like concept art uh, was was really like it didn't actually exist as an official job. It was it's an illustrator, right? Like if you were working on film, for instance, the the, the guys that made uh, the first Star Wars, they were not concept artists. They were illustrators. They were painting things. And concept art came really late as an official, like maybe 10 years ago um, or even more, but as an official job, let's say. So getting resources at that time was really hard. It was like, oh, if you want to pursue this, you need to be like a graphic designer, some, something like that. Um, but then the passion for video games really came out well from the video games, but also like getting the art book, getting everything that is art-wise around that game. Um, my first game was actually, my first art book was actually from a Portuguese company that made a game called Under Siege. And they shared their um, their progress. And that was my first book, art book. And then it was Darksiders. And once Darksiders, because Darksiders at the time came out and I was like, oh, this is kind of God of War, but in a other spin. And then I bought their uh, their art book because it was made by Joe Madureira, a really uh, Marvel comic book artist. Um, and now he's like rolling to the Darksiders games, but I knew his name. And then then I saw his heart, like his name on the art book. I was like, oh my God, I need to buy this. <laughs> and at the time it was an investment buying an, an art book. So for me, um... Honestly, it was a hundred percent escapism for a troubled childhood. <laughs> so um, I don't know, not to get like super real here um, on, on on your guys's uh, your guys's uh, podcast and interview, but um, you know, I I, I grew up in a, in a place that was not not a wonderful place to be, and I really retreated into fantasy novels, science fiction novels, comics, video games to try and find some semblance of happiness for myself. Um, you know, after I got older and had a lot of therapy, um, I was able to then achieve that happiness no longer in fantasy land. Um, so for me, having that experience of creating, um, creating those, those kind of environments in my own mind really prepared me to then be an author and a world builder, um, professionally. And so, um, I no longer needed to do it as escapism and no longer needed, um, to, to use it as, as kind of a resource for like, you know, my own emotional and mental, uh, being, but instead to do it, to inspire other people. Um, and so, uh, I actually created um, the Rune Chronicles, this this whole um, kind of land of of, of, of Terra, um, based that is my based on my first novel and Shadow of the Moon and a lot of our other IP um, when I was really young, um, and then you know over years and years and years of kind of fleshing that space out of, of like really actually just pretending to live there, um, we've then be able 
have been as a studio able to create a lot of IP grounded in that location. Um, and one of the, the the greatest assets of that is that this this place really feels very real. Um, and that's because to me it it really was, and arguably it was a lot more real, at least emotionally for me, um, than my real life. Um, and that's like sad for you know young young Jamie, um, you know young the the, the boy. But um, now I think we've been able to le leverage that um, to you know be able to inspire other people. And the reason that I bring it up is when I talk to other authors, particularly in fantasy and sci-fi, a lot of other people, um, and particularly writers, have a very similar experience. And I, I don't know, I, I don't want to be presumptuous like Brad about 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 kind of what what draw you into you know fantasy science fiction and role playing in, in particularly for people that are you know into tabletop RPGs. Um, but for me, I, I, I now am incredibly, incredibly honored to hopefully be able to inspire a whole new generation of kids who, for whatever reason, are drawn to, you know, role playing games. Um, they don't it doesn't have to be like kind of doom and gloom like like my childhood. They can do it just because it's fun. And that's that's rad. Um, but for kids who, you know, it, the, our world is a dark place, man. It's 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 not not a great place to live. And I think that by giving people an opportunity to kind of take a little break from that um, and be in a place where there is like justice and you know honor and things like that can hopefully make those dark nights a little bit brighter and that to me is 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 yeah a, a huge honor to, to hopefully be able to to facilitate that for for people who are in a, a, a similar situation to me cool great thank you that's uh that's that's very inspirational because I think that um, that that escapism is always very very valid for people going through difficult things, and and that's probably something that kind of transcends age too. I think that anybody, no matter what the age, can use a little escapism every now and then. Totally, yeah, and, and it can be a super healthy thing, and then give you the you know the the kind of personal power to dive back into your normal life um with kind of a new sense of of gusto and and like personal strength um that was my experience at least and kendra i think my final question will be this so you guys had me at having a soundtrack for every set of the red opera you had me at the quotable moments david your artwork mind-numbingly beautiful thank so, you thank you so much <laughs> I, I truly appreciate I'll, it really. well and i mean it so when i say that please take it as it is because it is mind-numbing it is absolutely gorgeous thank it you it throws back to people for me um like um boris vallejo i'm probably oh my god i'm so happy i literally i'm so happy that you said that i literally was showing <laughs> some of his artwork to my my daughter yesterday that's amazing wow it, it is it harkens back to that that's actually like just a, another small world tidbit i recently did an interview where someone had asked me what my foray into comics was and boris vallejo was actually my for into comics That's i awesome. started out with his artwork and then moved my way into chaos comics but david your artwork is very reminiscent of him it's the very first thing that Whoa. pops into my mind when i look at it because i'm just like wow i could see this as a huge painting yep and i was completely fine with it as just a painting just to look at it yep thank you but i, I really appreciate it. thank you so much <laughs> 
Julie Bell, uh, and I think I think Boris and Julie, I think were married or at least together. I don't know if you're familiar with Julie Bell. She she has a very similar style, um, yes. and if you, they both are amazing. I literally have an art book on my coffee table at, at like at my house, and my daughter opened it up and she hadn't really looked at it before, and she was like, "Wow, this is really really good, Daddy." And I was like, "I know, it's amazing." <laughs> <laughs> Just wait, little one. Just wait. There's exactly. such a great world out there for you. But for those of us who, I guess my question would be, for those of us taking away all of that, tell us what makes the Red Opera special to you. Tell us why people who, who maybe don't play desktop gaming, you know, because you've already got that world on lock. They are there for you guys. That support is through the roof. But for people like like me who don't necessarily do desktop top gaming, what makes this so special that I should step into this world? Yeah, so again, for us, we try to approach things on a creative side where people can come into it and just see, like, see the art, see, see, see the piece of art as art in and of itself and so the actual book is a coffee table book it is of that quality just like uh, boris was it like boris vallejo I, I don't know if i know how to pronounce his last name correctly or julie bell um the red opera has that quality to it even just on a visual aspect and so people can have that as almost like this you know centerpiece where you can just flip through it and be blown away and so a person doesn't have to be into tabletop RPG games or want to, you know, grab a foam sword and their cloak and dagger and, and you know, run around, um, you know, run around the park at night and do LARPing. You don't have to be in it to that degree to enjoy um, what we've created. And so it's it's our hope that we can have this this work intersect many different aspects and many different fandoms within fantasy um, and just people who enjoy really great art and give them something that they can really, really enjoy. Um, that's that's the hope. Um, and that'll be true for any of the projects that we work on. Um, you know, Last Amazon, Shadow of the Moon, anything. Um, we hope them to just be, you know, art in and of themselves. I really like that answer because I'm a reader. So to know that I don't necessarily have to get in on the gaming side of it, even though I'm probably going to want to step on that side of it, but I can just read it and, and enjoy the artwork and, and flow through it. That is really, really cool. That's not something that you, you see every every time you look at some of the D&D books or or even going back to what you had mentioned way back at the beginning with, with Vampire the Masquerade. I mean, those are wholly immersive gameplays. They're meant to be played out. So to hear that this one is more story driven and of course you've got the music backer that is so cool. David, what about you? What is what would you say to somebody to draw them in? Um so I, I I'm actually one of those people because I'm pretty new um on this on this this world and one of the things that's really draw me in was was my like how the game is actually played and it's really a game of a storytelling and a narrator and people uh 
and seeing like uh, because I was seeing like videos on YouTube of how they play it. It's so interesting seeing people playing it, um, and 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 I think it's a really great avenue for them to really dig into their imagination because these type of games put them in that mindset like of imagining things. And today in our work, uh, many many a great percentage of work today, uh, we we we, it's not like. It, it, it doesn't go to use their imagination. Maybe, of course, creative works, of course, but everything outside of creative works, right? Um, it, and I think it's really a great escape as normal video games to take a, um, a, a session and just imagine the setting you are doing with friends, with people that you know, it's really interesting. And one of the things that Jameson was saying about the art and the writing, something really resonates with me when we met the first time um, uh, uh, while working at, at, at TLA was that people will enter the door take, talking about art books and this kind of, of projects. People will open the door because of the art that they will stay because of the story. Um, and that really resonated with me, and especially this project, um, that I was discovering it as I was, as we were working on it as a team, like, um, because we learned a lot of things during the process of, of, of this work. Um, it's funny, even my parents were like, yeah, man, you, you leveled up, you, 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 you're good, you're good, I like this. <laughs> and uh, it, it was funny seeing that, but, the interesting thing is really comes down to this is a place where you can be free to imagine a quest it, and it's so interesting and it's, it's really interesting yeah that, that, that would be my my take on that <laughs> and i like hearing that i like hearing that it's not just you know what's the what's the term i'm looking for old hats veterans I like that there are, are people like you, David, who, who are, are new. Like, this is, this is a whole new world. Mm -hmm. And you embraced it beautifully. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> you too, Jameson. I mean, you Thank guys you. have done fascinating work. I mean, like I said earlier, I cannot stop recommending Last Amazon, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be the same with Red Opera, especially with how well-received this is going. And again, from us, congratulations. Well, thank you. It's it's both an honor and very humbling, and uh, we're excited to make make more content for people as well. Um, produce more uh, fifth edition campaigns. We've got our eyes set on uh, some additional character classes and um, you know additional um, you know uh, storytellers forge um, to be a GM tool. Um, yeah, <coughs> Shadow of the Moon and 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 many more. All right, and and as as with always, I know you guys have done this before with us. And we definitely appreciate it, not only once, but coming back on, especially in the middle of a Kickstarter, because I know you guys are busy, busy, busy little bees. So we definitely appreciate you coming back. We look forward to seeing this not only succeed, but seeing future pro projects coming forward. And I, I will bug until I find out more about the last Amazon's next one and what happens with Daniel. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Thank it's, you. It's, 
it, to be able to talk with some you know awesome gamers like yourselves and 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 comic aficionados uh, is always a pleasure. So anytime you'll have us, we'll be back. I will make a note of that and hold both of you to it. <laughs> All right. Well, that that will conclude our interview. But I do want everyone to know where they can find you, where they can find the studio. So, Jameson, we'll start with you. If people want to get in touch, if they want to reach out, what is the best way? Yeah, so uh, you can go to apotheosisstudios.com. Um, but if you're interested in the Red Opera right now, you can just go to the redopera.com. Um, that's that's where our Kickstarter is is currently um, being being live it's live right now. Um, check out uh, David's amazing trailer, um, and we think the Kickstarter page will speak for itself. So that's theredopera.com. All right. And David, if anybody wants to reach out to you and with, with questions, with comments, with compliments. <laughs> David, tell them about the, the Discord, David. Tell them about the Discord. Oh, sir. yeah, for sure. It would be done on the Discord channel, uh, Apotheosis Studio um, uh, community. So you will find that on actually on, on the redopera.com, um, right in close to the beginning of the page, you'll find the, the this little Discord tag. So you can click on there and you will do all the, the accepting the invitation. And, and, and there you can ask any question. But same for me. Um, me too, it's Apotheosis Studios and the Red Opera. There you, you will find everything. Wonderful. And Brad? Thank you so much for joining me on this one. This one was absolutely a blast, and I knew you were going to have a great time. Yeah. <laughs> if people want to reach out to you, where can they find you, Brad? Uh, I want to thank you guys, too, for coming on. That was a very enlightening conversation, so thank you so much for your time. Like Kendra was saying, oh, we know you're busy, you. so thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you, hope, hope to do it again. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to have you back. Uh, you can find me writing news and reviews at dccomicsnews.com, and you can uh, find me on the Mad Love Podcast, and you can follow me on Twitter at uh, FlickyB1. All right, and I have been your host, Kendra Hale. I can be found at um, on Twitter at DevourAllWords, um, Instagram, Z. I also do news and reviews for Dark Knight News, uh, as well as being on, on the podcasts here. Um, <laughs> If you guys have found any of this content, you can go back and see the other interviews. Uh, anywhere that we play, we are on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, anywhere that you can listen to a podcast, we're there. Uh, and you can also take a look at our social media sites with Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and in, uh, Instagram. Find us. We're there. Now, uh, David and... And Jameson, we do have a tagline that we would love for you guys, if you haven't already, to help us with. And that is at the end of every podcast, we say, read more comics. Would you guys do us the honor? Sure. Read more comics. <laughs> <laughs> thank you both yeah, so very much. Of course. Yeah, there's... And, and, and I would say read more indie comics. Support, and it doesn't have to just be us, but support those indie creators. Um, it's so awesome to get some fresh blood out there. Um, there's a lot of really great indie studios. So from an indie studio creator, from the bottom of my heart, I say thank you so much 
for supporting indie indie creators. Absolutely, our pleasure.